Welcome to the Tip of the Spear Leadership. I'm your host, Mike Nasty. Our goal is to create a movement of strong, competent leaders. Our guests will be a variety of leaders from public safety, military, and the business communities. Our guests will discuss how to lead and flourish by sharing their lessons learned and shared experiences. Today, episode nine, we will discuss resiliency and mental health with Stephanie White. It's going to be a good episode. Um, Mental health is something that is very important. Um, So without further ado, we're going to start the episode. Thanks, guys, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Now it's time to welcome Stephanie to the Tip of the Spear Leadership. Stephanie is here to provide her expertise and about resiliency and mental health for leaders. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Stephanie White is a 19-year veteran in the fire service. She has spent the past 17 years as a professional firefighter paramedic in the metropolitan area. Through her career, she has been actively involved in firefighter health and safety as a personal trainer, cancer awareness, and a trained health peer. So that's what she's here for today is to talk about our mental, our mental health. Uh, mental health and resiliency are very important when it comes to leadership because you need to be able to be there for the people in which that you lead, and that's what we're going to talk about. So uh, the goal, that the ultimate goal that we're shooting for today is to give the listeners an understanding of how resiliency and taking care of their mental health will make them better leaders, live longer, and have a more fulfilling and healthy life after their job. So, Stephanie, uh, what is resiliency? And, you know, what do you think you can, uh, I guess, what is resiliency and why is it so important for us in our daily daily lives and in leadership? Well, first off, um, I'm going to have to say definitely not an expert. The only thing I'm an expert at is having navigated my little fun career and not having had any, any major mental health breakdowns. Um, and I, I think you, you threw that word out there because you've read a couple of things that, that I've written about my journeys and, and my experiences through mental health and, and building resiliency on my own. I think resiliency is really the art of having a game plan in place. I think it's such a buzzword right now that we're throwing out in the fire service because we love our acronyms and our buzzwords. But what I think it really is, is the way that you teach firefighters to have a game plan, an emergency plan already in place for the things that we're going to see and that we're going to deal with on a daily basis when we run those calls. Um, And uh, I love that, that that buzzword is out there right now. I think that when you and I, you and I have have talked many times and you and I came in the fire service young around the age of 20 and we have around the same time in. And when we were coming in, it, it wasn't a word that was out there. It wasn't a, a thing that was talked about. It was, Hey kid, you're going to deal with some, some crappy stuff. You're going to see some ugly things. If you can't handle it, leave the fire service. And we didn't view it as something that was, Hey, this is a daily part part of life you know you want to stay strong you work out for the job right well you're going to see some things so have your your mental plan in place before you see those things so to me that's what resiliency is is the plan in place for how i'm going to see these things how i'm going to handle them how i'm going to hate to use this word but how i'm going to get over them how i'm going to continue Mm -hmm. on with my career do you think your brain is just as much of a muscle as um any other muscle in your body to where you have to keep it strong, work on it and um, make it, make it ready to handle. Keep it in shape. Keep it in shape. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I I think look at, look at COVID because I think Mm -hmm. that's really the only, that's a huge national change up of a personal life and schedule that I think we can all, that we all have in common. Um, I think all of us, we all changed our habits around then, right? Like the gyms were closed or whatever your hobby was that you went and did was closed. And I think because of that, our mental health shifted, the way we were able to handle things shifted because the ways in which we worked out our our brain, I mean, those changed, those were closed, right? So I think that alone right there proves that it is 
mental health and resiliency are a thing that you have to work on throughout your entire career. So that's, that's a great way of putting it um, is that it is, yeah, it's a muscle. It's a muscle. It's something you got to work on. You got to work out. You have to train. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like anything else that you, you, every day you have to do something to better yourself for the fire service. You have to do something to better yourself for your uh, physical well-being. whether, well, it should be working out and eating right and drinking water, um, doing things that you love, like, you know, listen to music, play music, whatever it is that will help your mental, uh, your mental state. I think is, is, is always clearly important. And um, with that, with that being said, you know, as you start to have issues, and I think in my personal experience, um, as these calls go on and as your time through the fire department uh, moves forward, and specifically, and the, the specific reason for today's is first responder based, um, just because it is becoming an epidemic in the country for first responders, specifically firefighters, um, you know, mental mental health issues are on, on a high rise. And I, I want to direct your attention to the Rudderman Family Foundation that created a report that was published on Northwestern University, Northwestern College University, excuse me. And it says uh, in 2017, more firefighters and police officers died by suicide than in the line of duty. Now, those are some pretty staggering numbers. And the numbers that they cite are per 100,000, 20 per 100,000 for firefighters are um, suicide. And those numbers may not tell the entire story as only 40 to 45 percent of firefighter suicides are reported or yeah, are reported uh, according to the estimates by the firefighter health and behavioral alliance so you know these these issues are coming home with us these issues are creating um mental health patterns um they can you know when they're not treated they lead to depression anxiety ptsd suicidal ide ideation and ultimately unfortunately suicide um you know whether that's from emotional traumas the demanding schedule, physical challenges on the job, um, the lack of safety and security, death, you know, continuous exposure, death, grief, injury, pain, and loss. You know, I think as leaders, I don't want to say compartmentalize, but I do think that those play, things need to go into a place. Um, and there needs to be a way to um, deal with them health in a healthy way. You know, does that make sense what I'm saying? So like you need to be able to, I guess the better way to say it is you need to be able to unpack it and you need to find a way to um, move to forward with it. it, to move, yeah, to process yeah. with it because ultimately you still have to function. So, I mean, I know I said a lot, but what do you, how do you think, like, what's the best way do you think to move forward with those things? I know that you're a strong advocate um, for mental health initiatives in the DC metropolitan area. So with your experiences and, and the things that you're doing, let, let's, let's talk about that. Well, I think first things first, since we're delving into such a heavy topic, I think I should have been allowed to make several Maryland driver jokes at the beginning okay. of this to, to set this sure. tone. Um, <clears throat> won't do that though. I think, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of process it. We got to learn how to process it, but think about some of the things that you've seen throughout your career, especially things involving geriatric abuse or pediatrics, or just every now and then there's a death that comes along and it's just so senseless and sad um, that it really hits hard. And I'm not sure that you can ever process that per se. So I think one of the big things that we need to teach is you might always have that within you, within your mind. What is a healthy shelf that you can put that incident into a little box, put it on the shelf? You might not be able to deal with it one day at all. Um, or you might be able to process it five years down the road. But you can't have it just free floating around your mind, right? You have to put it somewhere. And if you shove it in a dark closet, the next time something similar comes along, 
that ghost is going to come out of there and it's going to terrorize you. So where can you put it that's healthy, that's either I've dealt with it or it's in staging, but I know where it is and I can keep track of it. Uh, and I think that's something we really have to teach is not everything is going to be processed and there's got to be a healthy mechanism for that, right? Because some things you just, they're, they're too horrific to forget, but you have to find a healthy alternative for that. And I think that's something we, we also need to discuss because it's kind of, we've always really approached it with an all or nothing mentality when it comes to our mental health, either you're having a mental breakdown or you're sucking it all up successfully. There's no in between with the two. And that in between gray area is, is really what we're talking about today is that mental health resiliency, right? Um, mm -hmm. That act of okay, I saw something really horrible yesterday and now I have to come home. I have to walk through the front door. Um, if, you're, if you have a family, if you have a significant other, I have to walk through that front door and I have to see my significant other and they're going to tell me about their problems from yesterday that I'm going to view as so incredibly trivial compared to the day I just had. Um, how, do I, how do I deal with that? How do I process a return to being a normal, quote unquote, human, which is what 99% of the world is going to be that you're going to interact with that day? Um, and how do you get to that? How do you get to that game plan of how am I going to morph from Mike the fireman to Mike the husband, Mike the dad after I see those horrible things? What's my plan that I have in place to do that? Do you think a lot of the subconscious, do you think a lot of that is subconscious? Like you don't, and you don't even realize you're doing those things until it's too late. And now you're in a 30 minute argument with your spouse or you're snapping at your kids. Do you think that's something that's common? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I have four other siblings. I have four brothers. Most everybody is in the area and you know, big Italian Irish family. We get together for holidays and over the past, I joined the fire service in 2003 and got hired on full-time in 2005. So that's 20 years of at least twice a year getting off duty and heading straight for a family event, right? Mm -hmm. And I've, I discovered, I think last year, which that's a long time, that's 19 years to discover something. I discovered last year that I was walking it straight into those family events still mentally on duty because I wanted to get there first thing in the morning, you know, especially if it's Christmas morning, something like that. Walking in still mentally on duty because I had never come up with any kind of de-escalation. And even if you hadn't seen anything horrible the day before, you're still running some pretty sad stuff, right? Uh, Low-income households that are really struggling, geriatrics that are all alone and have nobody nobody to help them still just the sad parts of life that that can stick with you and walking into that family environment and hearing my mom I hate to use the word complain but complain or, or talk about something that I just thought was so simple and stupid and that every holiday I made it hopefully my, my family doesn't hear this because I am taking responsibility for once mm -hmm. yeah I, I made at least one moment entirely miserable with my just get over it that's not real life blunt yeah. attitude well my real life and their real life are two completely different things and I wonder how many of us have done that and I guarantee it's a lot I, it's funny I recently wrote a post about that about a, a similar experience I had where I came home I had a cup of coffee me and my significant other were relaxing He's a union president um, in the county that he works in, and, and he got a phone call about a staffing memo, um, and then he and that person got into a heated argument, and I just, I, I had this adrenaline reaction, and I'm thinking, what the F is this? You know, he and I don't even work in the same place. Why am I mm -hmm. getting agitated? And I realized, what's well, it's eight in the morning. It's the end of your, your three-day work tour. You haven't slept in three days. Uh, you know, you've done zero any kind of de-escalation, anything. You've just come straight from that sleep-deprived, high-alert world 
and you're now listening to a high tension situation in your own little safety zone, having not come down from that. And that was, that was such a shock to me to realize that, oh, hey, you know, you really do need like a good hour or something to just morph back into not an adrenaline laced waiting to go human being um, and you can absorb normal daily life situations. So that was very sure. eye-opening for me having a, oh, I dropped an earbud. That was really eye-opening for me and something that's taken years and years to, to figure out and to understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, I, as much as I don't want to admit it, I know exactly what you're talking about because, you know, I've been through something very similar and, and there was a lot of times where, and even now I find myself getting incredibly irritated over the dumbest things. And it's always my first day off when I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And, right. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm assuming I'm not the only one that has that, whether people talk about it or not, you know, I think it's a common thing, but uh, do you think you're so desensitized to everything that goes on with uh, some of the I, things that you cited, like, you know, the low income housing, all those things. Do you think you get so desensitized where you just don't even think twice about those situations, but it's still having that mental effect on you to where it's putting you under stress um, or fret without you realizing it to the point of your, I don't know, outward, not, um, not outspoken, where you're having those outbursts and, you know, it's, you're so desensitized to it. It's causing those things. You don't even realize it. Um, I th are you saying outburst? Cause I'm a ginger and you're just carrying on that, uh, angry redhead mentality. Um, no, I, I just meant, I just meant, uh, first, gin first. ginger is at its finest. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that we are all in this job because we're compassionate human beings, right? So mm -hmm. yes, we see the same things every day and we absolutely do become a certain level of desensitized. We see it day in, day out. If I walk in the firehouse every morning and I smack you across the back of the head every morning, by week number four, it, you're, you're not even going to notice it because I've done it to you every day. That doesn't mean that somewhere inside you, you're not saying this woman is freaking annoying for smacking me in the back of my head, right? And it's mm -hmm. not something that you're somehow bracing for. You just have gotten used to the response that comes from being smacked in the back of the head. You're still having it. You just don't even notice it anymore. And we're compassionate human beings. We're always going to, on some level, absorb the sorrows that we see around us, absorb the things from the calls that we run um, and the family's reactions and all those things. We might be used to the reactions that we have and we're therefore not noticing the reactions. But I promise you, if you've kept that humanity and that compassion, which I hope all of us have, you're still having that reaction. Um, and if you aren't preparing for that, if you're not, um, think about it as like a drop of water. There's a drop of water landing on a piece of wood every day. It's eventually gonna hollow out a portion of that piece of wood. It's gonna wear it away. Now, we might be used to that drop of water every day, but it's changing us. And we need to know that it's changing us every day and figure out how we're either going to make it a graceful change or actively fight against it in a way that's, that's useful and constructive because we don't like where it's taking us. But it is taking us somewhere and it is changing us. And you can't think that it's not, no matter how much time you have in, I promise you it's still changing you in some way, shape or form, even if you think you're used to it. So do you think it's a, you? It's eroding away, is what I mean. I don't know if I just said it that way, but so you think it's it's eroding at your. You can erode at your ability to, um, I guess, process it. Process it once it comes to a point. Like, do you think that you know you can deal with it, and if your process for dealing with those things don't evolve as the problems evolve, or as they compound, or as they move on, if you don't. Um, figure out a way to keep up with it or a new way to deal with it, do you think that would have even more dramatic effects? Or let's say you just ignore it altogether. I mean, it's just going to compound and get worse and worse and worse, right? So I, I think people need to, 
I guess, one, admit or understand and, you know, that they, there's an issue. And then ultimately, I want to get into this next point um, real quick or before we go to the next point. Um, you know, there, there comes a point where as leaders, we need to recognize that in our people. You know what right. I mean? I mean, it, it's it and it's through no fault of, of, of their own. You know, I know that I struggled in the past with certain things and, and you know, I ended up ultimately getting some getting um, back on track and, and, you know, getting my myself together and, and moving forward. But, you know, I mean, we need to as leaders, we need to be able to recognize those things. And you're not going to have a psychology degree. Right. Well, you I mean, I guess you could. Um, people out there could have a psychology. I don't have a psychology degree. And I think the average the average person may or may not. But um, I think. You know, we need to be able to recognize when our people are struggling, even if they can't recognize it themselves. Um, so there's always barriers to mental health treatment for first responders, whether oh, it's cultural, cultural, lack of awareness. Um, maybe there's pragmatic barriers. You know, I think, and I'm going to uh, cite this Rudderman Family Foundation report again, and it classifies barriers into addressing mental health into three groups, which are cultural lack of awareness and, and pragmatic barriers. Um, you know, I think the silence of mental health issues leaves responders uh, feeling isolated. You know, they perceive their colleagues to be more judgmental than they are. And maybe they're afraid to talk about those things. What, what are your experiences with that? So I'm actually going to give a shout out to your county right now. Um, there's a guy who runs your mental health stuff named Mike Wells. And Mike Wells, <laughs> Mike Wells I was recently sitting in a, a meeting with him a couple, a couple, probably a couple months ago now. It was a regional meeting of peer teams. And something you guys in your county have developed that I thought was so freaking amazing uh, was a resource list. And it, it encompasses Maryland resources. So it's for not just your county, but the state of Maryland as, uh, as well. And he had everything on there from your standard stuff that you would expect. Your therapist, your counselors, your marriage therapist, your marriage counselor, drug, all that, all that stuff. But then he had stuff on there like sleep doctors, sleep studies, um, cleaning services, babysitting services. And it really struck me as, um, is really genius because him and his team had taken this all-encompassing approach to mental health of this is not just talking to a counselor this is not just talking to a therapist this is not just talking to someone who you know a peer who can understand mental health is this all-encompassing thing and the reason i say that in part of an answer to your question is is leadership and caring for their people when you are a leader or anyone who is, and, and by the way, I'm not an officer in any way, shape or form. I would not consider myself per se a leader, but when you pull back every member of a shift when it comes to mental health and their shift mates is a leader in that we may know these people better than their spouses, better than their family members do, right? We are in charge of our brothers and sisters. So leadership just applying in this facet to officers. As leaders on our shift, we are in charge of watching, hey, I haven't seen Billy Bob sleep in the firehouse in a couple of days. You know, even though, yeah, we're busy, we're running calls, we all still go to bed. Billy Bob has been up watching TV until 2 a.m. for the past week. What's going on with that? Um, or... Billy Bob has been complaining about the kids more often. Um, Billy Bob is complaining about his wife more often. I've seen these subtle changes that might seem like everyday normal things, but they're still changes, right? They're still micro changes and there's five of them going on. What is going on in his life? Uh, and that's part of that all encompassing resource list that that your County has established because I could be doing mostly okay in life. But if my sleep has gone out, my family life has gone out, my finances have gone out, my mental health is going to deteriorate and it's going to go down. So watching for those micro changes is a huge part of our job 
as leaders in the fire service. Um, and you had another question buried in there and I have ADHD and I completely forgot what it was. No, it's okay. It's, you know, I think there comes a point where you have to um, be able to, you have to be able to recognize um, you actually, you hit them both. But I think the main thing I wanted to record, I, I wanted to highlight was, you know, as well, first of all, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit. Leadership is not just a rank or a title. The leadership is everyone, right? You have to lead up the chain of command. You have to lead down the chain of command. And, you know, informal leadership is just as important. So um, the point that I was getting at, though, I think you hit them both, but I think what I wanted to touch on just a little bit more was um, the taking care, uh, you know, as a leader, you know, if you're the, if you're the actual established leader, you're the, you're the lieutenant, you're the, CEO, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, all of this is all encompassing. So, you know, I, I think that regardless of what your profession is, um, you're interacting with your customers and your coworkers more than you're actually probably doing your job. So by that, I mean, you know, the background work that people don't see. So the, when, when we're not on calls, when we're not, you know, doing emergencies or whatever, whatever your profession is, when you're not applying that specific work, I mean, you know, you're off of work more than you work. So you, everything's all encompassing. So where you may be successful, you know, the, the team that in which you lead or that you're a part of may be hitting their numbers, doing well on fires, making, you know, locking up or uh, making um, the uh, correct amount of arrests. If you're in the, in the police, you know, all those things may be right, but then your outside life is, not right it's going to bleed over into work and then work will start to take an effect and you know when you mentioned what mike wells was doing where it has uh you know the babysitting the finance all that stuff i think that uh your profession will have its stressors and i don't want to say they're far and few between but they're not as common when it comes to traumatic calls or traumatic incidents or situations as it is to somebody struggling with their sleep family problems with right. marriage problems with you know financial issues with all those things i mean those things are much much more prevalent and much more common than you know if you were to ask you know how many guys have seen a dead kid in you know the last six weeks right you're gonna have a lot more guys saying yeah i'm struggling with money or you know i'm fighting with my wife or i'm fighting with my husband whatever you know i think i think a lot of that outside work stuff is going to um, be much more common and having that resource of, you know, childcare, because childcare is a big buzz right now, especially when it comes to staffing crisis, staffing crisis, crises, crises, um, word. station. Yes. Yeah, staffing crises. Um, I don't think that's nation, the right word either. It's not, it's not, but uh, the common staffing crisis of modern fire departments throughout the country um, is there you go is a, is a is a very common thing um you know holdovers callbacks all those things are up nationwide specifically in the dc metropolitan area um and that's where i think you're starting to have a lot of those issues because regardless of what it is and this is the whole point that i'm making and i apologize for being very very long-winded about it but the whole point of it is stress and, you know, when you have stress, you're going to have to need or you're going to have a need for um, support. So what specifically uh, can a leader or an officer uh, do to support people when they start to recognize those things? What do you let's talk about that a little bit? I think that for me um, always starts with the in-house conversation. I think we can't have lost, I think we have, I'm sorry, a little bit lost that art of having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your person. I think I have seen, trying to be careful with this. <laughs> um, I have seen a trend where people, uh, we become in some parts of the world, a resource heavy thing. Right. So mm -hmm. at least where I am, we've developed a resource for everything. So we can say, Hey, here's a resource and pick it, hand it to you. You know, I think you're struggling with that. Go see this versus 
hey, no, you're the person I ride a fire truck with. You're the, you're the person I run calls with. You're the person I trust. If you sit me down and you say, hey, I feel, feel like I'm seeing these things. Is something going on? That's step one, because I'm going to respect that more than someone saying, hey, I, I, think, I think there's an issue. Therefore, go speak to this person. Well, hey, thanks. A, that's insulting. B, I don't know this person. C, as first responders, we're the least likely group of humans in the world to so much as go to a dentist if we have a toothache. We struggle with going and seeing any kind of medical professional about anything. So have that conversation with your person first. Foster a healthy environment in the firehouse. Um, and then again, that goes for all the leaders on the shift. But as that shift leader, are you letting your people take naps? Come on. If your people are being held over working 36 hour shifts, working 48 hour shifts, are you allowing for proper sleep? Are you encouraging proper eating habits or just as important, if not more, you have all these people on all these different diets. I, I think probably about seven years ago, I started to notice a change in everybody starting to bring their food in the firehouse, whether it be that CrossFit diets, paleo diets, um, eating all the bacon fat in the world diets. Yeah, keto. Thank you. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Vegan, whatever. I once had a captain tell me, listen, I don't care if you eat the forest floor as long as you are sitting at the table and eating it with us. And I think that is something that is so important and such a struggle that leaders, the official leaders of the firehouse need to be paying attention to is are all, all my people gathering at a central point and interacting with each other where they can kind of rejuvenate through laughter, but also where I can see, I can kind of check in on my people. Does Peggy Sue look extra tired? And we haven't done a whole lot today for her to look extra tired. And this is the third day in a row, or is she silent at the table? What's going on there? It's a great bird's eye view. You know, the kitchen table is a great equalizer and also where we solve brilliantly all the problems in the fire service so i think it's micro things like that making sure your people are taken care of in small doses throughout the day whether it be we have something we call brain power hour and it's where we start off at after dinner or during dinner depending on calls we're watching jeopardy and wheel of fortune not so much watching as we are yelling at the tv but it's a time where we all come together and we're doing this group activity that's painless, seamless, doesn't require any kind of logistics, just us yelling out answers and abusing each other in a great, great way. Um, hmm. And I think, it's, I think it's stuff like that. I think it's the tiny, tiny things that in the hustle and bustle have been forgotten about um, or in some places destroyed even because of we're not, we're not teaching it as much. Um, these are the whole fire department, not seeing change thing. And then suddenly seeing a lot of changes. That's something that we can't change. And I know some places are struggling with diversity and we're bringing in so many different, you know, this has become a white collar job. Um, we're no longer hiring the generational firefighter whose daddy and whose grandpa and whose uncle and next door neighbor are all firemen. We've attracted a completely different subset of people. Um, some are coming in and leaving at five years. Some full college degree wanted to go into finance and decided to become a fireman instead. We're attracting this completely different pool of candidates that we've never attracted before in our life. So making sure that we take the time to explain how important those things are to these people who weren't, I hate to say raised, but weren't raised with the fire department culture or didn't come into the fire department understanding, for lack of a better term, the brotherhood culture. We have mm -hmm. to, as leaders, explain that and foster that environment, even in these changing diverse times. That has to be paramount. Because that's how you begin the conversation about mental health. And I know it's a long-winded answer. Sorry. No, 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 you're good. I, I think you had some really good points. And I think, you know, I know I've heard it dozens and dozens of times, even more when I became a supervisor, uh, an officer, um, 
was, you know, there's been people that I've worked with that have had issues going on and, you know, I'll check in, you know, hey, how's everything going at home, you know, with this situation we talked about, you know, don't be afraid to take off if you need it. And the common answer that I get a lot is, I mean, what am I going to do? All I'm going to do is sit at home and think about it or I'm going to sit at home and sulk about it. You know, I'd rather come here and be around you guys and deal with you. I'm not going to say what they say, but you crazy people um, then, you know, sit at home and be in my own mind. So I think when you foster that culture of family, you know, that culture of, you know, being there for each other and, you know, you, you kind of said it yourself about the, the, you know, the captain wanting you guys to spend time together, especially when you have meals. And, and I don't know the stats. I can look it up, but I just don't know the stats of, you know, families, just human beings in general, families that eat dinner together, their children, mental health and success rate is dramatically higher than broken families or um, families where the parents aren't in the home and the kids or they do whatever. There's, there's a statistic for that and it specifically cites how important it is to have dinner as a family or meals as a family. This is the same thing. Regardless of what you do, when you guys do things together, like think about any corporate industry. A lot of larger corporations do family days. They do uh, team building exercises or, or you know, team building events that are away from the office because these things are super, they're super important, you, you know, like, and the, you know, you talked about the diversity and um, how the fire department's going into a white collar um, job. I think that it's still a blue collar job, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, it's it's posted on your helmet on the sticker where it tells you what kind of helmet it is. Firefighting is an inherently dangerous job, right? Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna have to work. You're gonna you got to be that blue collar guy or girl. You got to grit your teeth and you got to go to work. And you know it's dangerous, and and it's 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 a job that is unlike anything else in the world. It it's it's something that you know we're here to save life and property, specifically life. And those things come with a cost. And I think that, you know, being able to have that, that, that cohesion and that connection um, will keep people on the right path mentally and um, um, psychologically when it comes to doing their job. You know, there's, the firehouse that I work at, there is no day room. I'm not going to get into why there's no, I'm not going to get into why there's no day room. That's a whole different conversation. It is what it is. So literally it's a kitchen apparatus bay and then like a training room in the back. Did you guys now, drag all the couches out into the bay? No, no, we don't have any of that. There, there, you go into the station I work at, there is no physical couch anywhere in that firehouse. And, really? you know, a lot of people, yep. A lot of people, you know, have different, different opinions about that, you know, whatever. Um, one thing I learned, and this is something that kind of, I guess, I started realizing recently is, you know, does that stink? Yeah, that kind of stinks. However, it's an opportunity for you all to be present. You have to be present with each other. So, you know, when we're going through our day doing whatever we're doing, you know, and I'm only speaking for, for my shift. I'm not speaking for anyone else in that firehouse. It's just my shift. Systematically, everyone is completely together, all together, joking, laughing, poking fun at each other, talking about topics, drilling, whatever. We're physically together. People aren't off in their own little corners do, on their cell phones. They're not. Everyone's together. It's an opportunity to create and foster that um, that culture of, of of a bond amongst guys and girls working together. Um, I think it's it's a opportunity where it removes that distraction of a TV room and allows that culture that you talked about that that that. Um, cohesion and and brotherhood and you know the family atmosphere and that's the whole point of what i brought about people you know eating together as a family we're now there's no other choice right so now you're going to be present together present in the moment regardless of where you're at in the, in the station whether you're in the kitchen we're all together laughing joking talking about fire department stuff you're in, but you're you're engaged with the, with with the job and you're engaged for that day but you also still have the fun part, the, the, the laughing, the rib, the rib, you know, the, the chop busting, all that stuff. But over time, you know, as you, if you sit back and you observe, you see people's different nuances, their attitudes, what pisses them off, what makes them tick, 
you know what I mean? All that stuff. So then, you know, I think you're able to realize when people are not themselves or they start mm -hmm. to feel like they can open up about things because you go into the firehouse and you go and you sit down with a group of, you know, the, your, your coworkers and you sit down, you have your therapist, you got <laughs> your pediatrician, you've got your expert on, um, anything you need and you're done in your house. You've got your marriage counselor, you know, some people, depending on who you are, you may have someone young that you can live vicariously back in your twenties through them and through their adventures. And then it's, I don't and it's go back fun. Well, I agree, but it's, and it's fun. And, and I think, but I think that creates that, that family atmosphere and, and, and the, you know, ultimately as a leader, you gotta let the guys be the guys you gotta let the, the firefighters, you got to create the distance or not distance, excuse me. You have to create separation because there is a difference between the officer and, and the firefighters, but you know, you have to, you got to create it and you got to let it be. But in the same token, you can let, I don't want to say let your guard down, but you can allow when you start having, having that ability to get that big picture view, you're going to allow yourself to really keep an eye on your people as far as, um, you know, when they're not themselves or when there's, I don't want to say red flags, but, you know, when you can tell, you know, Bill on your ship, Bill's kind of not acting right. And you can kind of, you know, keep a, um, keep a, an idea of where the bearing of your, of your shift is, of your group is or small team or whoever it is. Um, well, one thing, uh, watch those things. My shift is a big heckler shift and something I've, I've noticed lately that they're shaming everyone for is uh, lately, if you pull out a cell phone at dinner, you get heckled to put it away. And I love hmm. that. I absolutely no, love that. It's, good. it's great because if you look around so many firehouses, when you walk in, everybody's sitting there half on their phone, half eating. And uh, so they, I think that they've noticed that they've uh, decided it's not, not going to fly. And everybody's heckling everybody now, anytime a cell phone comes out during a certain point in the meal. And that's great. That's what's needed. Mm. No, it's a, and it's a good thing, and it's accountability. You know, I think uh, accountability is a big thing. Um, so, what do you what do you think are some uh, common issues that people have with? Uh, is it like what do you think people are struggling with when it comes to resiliency, especially specifically leadership? As a leader, what do you think some leaders are uh, struggling with? So, something you and I discussed a little a little earlier in the day um, was our generation of leaders wasn't when, when you came into the firehouse, you were told, Hey, you know, handle it, handle it, or this isn't the career for you. And I can remember one of my first really, really bad calls. The officer on that call looked at all of us and said, if you need to talk to somebody about this call, you don't belong in a firehouse. And that was really what we were raised with. So I think the leadership now from the time period when you and I came in, um, they're just now having to learn and figure out on their own that mentally struggling with things is a completely freaking common thing, right? If I do the same exercise over and over and over again, and I don't take a break, I'm eventually going to wear down whatever muscle joint that is. You know, we're not, we're not designed to do that. And I'm going to do You're physical gonna damage. Fatigue. You're going to feel the fatigue. Right. And I think, why is it so acceptable to understand that as a concept and to be, well, we're not careful with our bodies. We do just as much damage, but we kind of have more of an understanding and compassion for injuries and things like that then we do, we need to change the, the, the script in terms of it's a brain injury, right? When we see these horrible things over and over, it is a mental injury. Treat it as such. And I think this generation of leaders is just now learning that, that no, this isn't some sort of mental breakdown. This isn't a person who's mentally weak. This is a person who has had an accumulative amount of just everything going wrong at home maybe coupled with just this horrible call makes the perfect storm of I need to reset. I need to stop. I need to rehab my brain just like I would a knee, a hip, a back. And I need to get it to a great place 
where then I can continue to do my job. Because if you have a damaged joint, if you have a broken ankle, I am not taking you in a fire. I am not doing anything where you're not going to be able to physically perform well because you have this injury. Why are we expecting our people, our guys and gals to do the same thing, right? So we're just now discovering that with leaders and something else that you and I had talked about that I think is so important is teaching this concept of resiliency to recruits as they come in. I I don't mean this kind of hand-holding kumbaya, hey, you're going to see scary bad things, you know, come up with, with your little, no, it's a, hey, so you hurt your knee? you ice it, you do whatever, you see these kinds of things, have a game plan in place. You will see these things during your career. Um, You're going to survive it mentally. Here's how. You got to come up with this list of de-escalation things or comfort measures, however you want to word it, for when you see this. And have that in place if I'm driving along and I blow a tire and I've never bothered to have any kind of kit in my car to replace that tire, how can you expect me to have any kind of success at getting home, right? <clears throat> Same thing. If we haven't taught people ahead of time how to mitigate what they're about to see or what the cumulative stress is, then we've set them up for failure already. Um, and that's teaching them the resiliency model, for lack, of, for lack of a better buzzword. That's really what it is. It's here is how to be Here's how to create a resilient brain, a resilient mind is, and and teach them not just when they see the bad stuff, but at the end of the work week or the in-between days, when you're tired, when you're starting to snap at your shift mates, how do you do a pullback and reset? If we teach that now to the incoming generation and we normalize it, what's the next generation of leaders going to look like? What's the people who don't have to stop and learn this now as their captains and lieutenants, what kind of amazing leaders are they going to be? Because they're going to have this mental space to focus on other things because this is going to be natural for them and for the people they're leading. If they're all starting to get that in recruit school now, I just, they're going to have the mental space to be able to tackle the 50 million other issues we have in the fire service. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's another, the saying that I like is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, ultimately I mean, you used a pretty good example of teaching at the fire Academy. You know, you, you have to, you have to teach people how to do everything else, how to put your gear on, how to wear uniform, attention to detail, ideology, nuances, those things. You teach them all those things in the fire department. What you don't teach is mental health. And, you know, I'm not a big, I'm not a mental health um, expert or uh, I'm not well-versed beyond uh, what I've experienced, what I've seen people go through and what I've done to do my best to help people that are struggling. Um, Because it's not, I'm not saying anybody specifically on my shift, but I mean, as as an officer in my department, I make my way around, um, you know, through overtime swaps, all those things. And and I talk to a lot of people and, and, you know, I have friends in the fire, but I talk to people all the time. And, you know, in my travels, I guess we could call it that, you know, there's been people that I've, that I've talked to that are struggling, that I've seen struggle, that I've reached out to, and, you know, those kind of things and kind of said, hey, look, it looks like you're not really yourself. You know, maybe you should get some help. Here's some ideas, you know, or they, people come to me, hey, I heard you had some issues. You had some stuff that you had to deal with and, and all that. What did you do? So I think it's ultimately a culture thing that you have to teach and you have to learn in the academy that it's okay to ask for help. And I say that because once you are taught, it's okay to ask for help. Once you're taught, you know, all these things, now you're going to be able to teach people or you're going to be able to um, tell other people it's okay to ask for help. You're going to be able to push those things off to other people that either didn't didn't know it, didn't learn it, you know, whatever it is, it's going to put you in the position to be a much better um, advocate, a much better, uh, you know, a better leader, I think. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, people are more accepting of your shortcomings when they know that you truly care and you care about them. And I think that, you know, regardless of what your leadership role is, you may not be the best CEO. You may not be the best 
lieutenant. You may not be the best patrol officer and you're the leader and you give your people 110% and, you know, you're putting an all out effort and sometimes you just don't meet the mark. You, you know, you're, you know, you unfortunately for that situation or day may be the weak link and you have to prepare yourself and train for the weakest link. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. You're only as good as your weakest link. And, you know, this time you may not be that sharp, but if they know that you truly care, they know that you care about them and they know that you're there to work for and support them, they're going to do everything for you. They'll follow you through the gates of hell if they know you truly care. And what a better way to show that you truly care than to make sure they know you care about their mental health. Because, what? you know, just as anything else, you're off of a call more than you're on a call. So you're in the firehouse, you're in the boardroom, or you're in the office doing whatever with these with the people that you work with. You're in there more often than you're out, you know, proposing a budget for a Fortune 500 company or, you know, any example you could think of. I mean, I, I could go on time blue in the face with examples, but ultimately – you know, you're, you're not, you're off of, you're out of doing your job more than you are doing your job. You're off of it often. So I think those things are where you're going to have, I don't want to say the most problems, but when things are going to be more prevalent than anything, because people, you may, you may be, you may run like a, a, a two alarm fire and everybody looks happy and hunky dory and all that, but then you come back and everybody's high five and this is great. This kind of helped our mental, you know, We've been on a fire drop for a while. Now we all ran a fire. Everybody's on a super high. We're high-fiving. We're joking. We're laughing. You know, stuff that pissed me off about this guy 20 minutes ago. It's all in the past. We're having fun. But then there's this guy that's just still kind of, you know what I mean? It, it, uh -huh. it, you know, it'll, it'll allow you that opportunity to see those things. And you well, know, I, I think something I we, we need to point out is as leaders – as firemen in general, we, we can fix everything and anything, right? Or at least we've mm -hmm. told ourselves that. Sure. And we are subject matter experts at everything, especially if we have access to the internet. And I think something that's so important, and, and I'd be remiss to, to not make sure we get this, this point in sure. as leaders, is making sure that our people know that oh, we're actually not subject matter experts at everything. And if I am throwing an arrhythmia, I am going to go to a cardiologist because I probably shouldn't be self-diagnosing that myself. Sure. And if you are struggling with mental health issues, we can help you through it. Absolutely. Um, or consider the fact that there are professionals who have gone years and years and years of school um, to be able to help people like us. And in, in the case of, of Mike Wells and his amazing team, they vet people. So they find out you know, who's seen this person. Have they had good success with them? What insurance do they take? Are they going to be a good conversationalist and therapist for my people? And there are programs out there, fire department programs, where they're great about doing that. They are great about vetting people and having that list out there. I know we vetting in my the area. Right. Vetting the I know. professionals. Okay. We were doing that for a little bit. I don't know if we still do, sure. but letting your people know that, that if, Hey, if you are at point X, Y, and Z, there is, I hate to even use this word, but this is the word that applies. There is no shame in getting freaking an expert consult. You know, if your car has reached a certain point of breakdown, stop trying to fi fix it yourself, take it to an expert. Same thing. These people are going to have an insight and a knowledge that, that you can't have. Um, I, was, I was going through a divorce years ago and I had two little boys and I was so surprised at some of the reactions I had. And me and, and, and my ex-husband, we got along great. We got along fine. It wasn't that. It was not being with my children every day when I got off duty and just the soul shaking reaction that came from that, I would have never expected. And I went and talked to someone about my reactions and my children's reactions, because that is something that I, I've got zero capability to, to talk myself through that. I'd never been through it in my life before. My children had never been through that. And I can't imagine where my life would be if I hadn't sought that expert consult for both me and my kids. You and mean by just, not, not being present, you mean 
physically or not being mentally present because you were stressed out from everything going on? You, do you mean the separation because you guys are now co-parenting rather than? Correct. So, okay. so I, I apologize for cutting you off. I just wanted no, to. No, no, that, no. That's okay. So at the time, he and I were on the same shift. So that meant there was no true good 50-50 custody. Gotcha. Um, so I ended up switching shifts so that we do have a true 50-50 custody. And, and I do see my kids now when I got off duty, but during that adjustment of figuring it out, I had never gone in my life without seeing, seeing my children. And those things are common, you know, losing a parent that you're very close with. That's so common. And for things, things like that, that you've never experienced in life before, that's going to shake you to the bone. We are all going to experience these things. Having the compassion and knowing how to stop your person when they're on that brink and say, Hey, there are experts out there who know more than you and I, who have seen this a million times, who can give you tools that I can't give you. Let's go find one for you. Knowing when to do that is an imperative skill as a leader, both leadership as a shift mate and leadership as an officer, a CEO, whatever kind of supervisor you are, knowing when to step in and say, it's time to go get help. That is a skill that needs to be mastered by every leader because that is a life-changing skill potentially. Yeah. Having a, having the ability to have this difficult, this difficult, excuse me, difficult conversations is very important. Um, being able to address things, even if you don't want to talk about it. You have to do it. And I think ultimately leaders need to be those people that um, don't give up on your people, even after they've given up on themselves, you know, and I'm not Amen. saying people give, I'm not saying people give up at the drop of a hat, but I think there comes a point where things are just so much or, so, or they're just too much. They're so stressful, you know, whatever it is. And they're just kind of like, F it, I'm, I'm done. I don't care whatever. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the leader, you know, I'm your officer, I'm your boss, you know, whatever. I care about you. I'm here to care for you. I'm I'm here to care for you. I'm here, you know, I'm here to help you. I'm here to, here's my cell phone number. Call me 24 seven. I don't care what time of the day or night it is. I'm here for you. You need to understand that. And, you know, Hey, look, I know you don't want to go talk to these people or you don't want to talk to do this or do that, but you really, really need to. And you know, that, then that's also a, that's also a two way street because ultimately at the end of the day, there comes a point where they need to be adults and handle themselves as well. You know, I think there's also a, a um, the pendulum can swing the other way where there comes a point where, you know, I've done absolutely everything. I've gone above and beyond and you're not listening or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, if you change your mind, come back to me, I'll help you out. And I think there also comes a point where as leaders, we need to be able to protect our mental well-being of knowing when to just kind of, you, there comes a point where you have to stop. And I'm not saying give up on people, but you know, enough needs to be enough at, at a certain point, because, you know, if you yourself are not mentally there as a leader and you're not mentally there, you're not in a good headspace, you know, you're not going to be able to be good for your people. You're not going to be able to be present in the moment to be able to make those good decisions and, and all those things, because ultimately your guys and girls, regardless of what small team you're a part of or whatever, whatever it is that you're doing when it comes to leading, you know, they don't want you they want you to, or excuse me, they want you to be there present in the moment to make those decisions and pull your weight. They're not there to worry about how you're feeling and what you're doing when, when it's, you know, prime time, when it's game time. Like, you know what I mean? If you're the officer of a fire truck, they, they want you to, hey, it's time for the officer to do his job. And they want you to step up and knock it out of the park. And well, and that's to be able why, to, oops, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying to be able to, be in the position to make the best decisions, you have to be in a good space mentally. And, you know, it, it's a, a um, it's a two-way street with a lot of that. So, you know, I think when it comes to leadership and my personal experience, you also have to know how to not get too caught up. You know, I mean, me personally, I'm going to fight tooth and nail for absolutely everything and advocate and do the best I can to protect, help, serve, and, and empower anyone that I work with. But, you know, there also has to come a point where I have to make sure I'm sharp and ready to go. You know, I'm never going to give up on people. I don't care what the situation is. I, I'm going to be there. But I think, you know, I, 
as much effort as I put into those things or as much effort as a leader puts into those things, that effort needs to be put into yourself to make sure you're mentally ready to go to be at the top of your game. So. And that that's where leaders need to know their resources um, sure. so that when you need to tap out, that's where you need to have that list of peer members. Um, this is why peer teams are so important for the fire service is you can have, I hate to say the mental safety, but you can punt that person to someone who might understand them, who might get through to them. And you won't sit there feeling like you dropped a ball on your person. You don't have, yeah. You don't have to have the answer yeah. for everything, but you have to know right. who to go to. Correct. To Find, know your resources so you can sure. have that mental stability of, of listen, I, I, I tried in every angle. Okay. I'm going to try in this other angle and not mentally beat my head against a wall because I'm not getting through it. Makes sense. No, I mean, that's definitely a good point. You have to be resourceful. You know, one thing that I, that I find myself saying a lot is, you know, Hey, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to find out and I'll get back. But I'll go it. look it up. I'll go figure it. Yep. I'll go figure it out. Or, you know, I'm not even going to remotely say, I know everything there is about our policies and procedures. I don't, but I know where to find it. And I think that's just as important. You don't, you don't have to memorize, you know, every, your department's general orders and stuff and know them to verbatim. No, you just have to know where to get the answer if you don't know it. And, and I think it's no different when it comes to um, the mental health stuff. Hey, Dave on my shift's having a lot of problems. Hey, Dave, look, man, you know, I'm here for you, care about you. My phone's on 24-7, but I think you need to talk to someone. This person's going to be a much better resource than, than anything I can do. I strongly encourage you to do it. And I think, you know, where we fill in that gap as leaders is making sure they know that we support them, we care about them, you know, that you truly love them. And you got to love your people. Uh, that's something that I say day in, day out on this show, and the whole point of the tip of the spirit leadership is you got to love your people. you got to. It's just as important as respect, if not more important, you, you know, and, 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 you know, loving them and showing them that you truly care. Again, just like with respect, it's, it's action, you know, so not being able to answer all their questions or whatever those things are, it's okay as long as you have the resources and provide them the resources. And, you know, I'm not a big religious guy, but... You know, if you were to say, you were to pray and say, you know, hey, God, give me strength. Well, is God going to give you strength and now you're good? Or is he going to give you opportunities to get strong? Right. So it's that kind of thing that you need to be there to provide them with all these things to, to you know, ultimately be as successful as possible. So um, we're, hitting, we're about to be at that hour point. Um, you know, this has been a fantastic conversation. This, this has been very, very good. Um, ultimately, you know, leaders, all the leaders out there, guys and girls that are listening to this, take care of your people, take care of yourself, take care of your people, um, you know, make sure they know to reach out, know where your resources are for whatever your company is, uh, for your, you know, your department and all that, know your resources, have those resources safe and on hand so you can be able to provide, um, you know, look out for each other, take care of each other, you know, because ultimately each other is all we have. That's just the way it is. And, and I think everybody knows what I'm getting at with that. So, you know, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, what do you, what's a, uh, actually really quick, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Anything you wanted to kind of chat about real quick or, you know, anything you wanted to say before we uh, start to wrap this up? I think we really covered the basis. I think the biggest thing to tell you is be safe because I know you, uh, you live around Maryland drivers. So that's the <laughs> wisdom nugget I'm going to leave you with. Real nice, and I appreciate that. And it always seems that it's, uh, Virginia tags when I see people kind of acting mm. crazy. So uh -huh. even on the Mar even on the Maryland side, it's it's weird. I don't know. I don't understand yeah. what that what that is. Um, so what's a good place for people if they wanted to reach out to you on social media or anything like that? Do you have social media platforms or you know any type of uh, you know media? Maybe a podcast that you might have that talks about this kind of stuff. I, I see. I see what you did there. Nice little plug. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can find me on social media. I actually do have my own podcast. It's called five after midnight podcast. You can find that on Instagram or um, yes, there is meaning behind this, that paperwork firefighter on Instagram as well, or stephanie.k.white at gmail.com. All right. And we'll add all the links to all those things in the episode description. Um, the other thing we're going to add into that episode description is um, some resources. If you know, if you or someone you know is, 
in the need of immediate help, we're going to add some hotlines, first responder stuff, you know, for them and their families. So, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, guys and girls, if you're out there, you're struggling, reach out, call someone, talk to someone, get yourself Absolutely. some help. Um, you know, Stephanie, thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having me, Mike. You're very, no, you're very welcome. It, it, the, uh, the pleasure is all mine and, and, and it's an honor to have you. Um, so everybody, please like, subscribe and share to our podcast. Share this with your friends, coworkers. Check us out on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. Just search Tip of the Spear Leadership and uh, it'll be in the links with the description. So everybody, stay tuned. We're going to... Uh, we're going to have more episodes out in the next few weeks. And uh, thank you all for everything. Thank you guys for your time. Please leave us a review. Five stars is our favorite. It helps us grow the community. Stephanie, don't go anywhere real quick. We're going to, I got some more information I want to get from you real quick before we go. And uh, tip the spirit leadership, be yourself. Excuse me. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Have a great day, guys.